I see myself kind of as that student in the back of the room who takes really good notes and then shares his notes with the rest of the class, right? I'm not up there to, to lecture you like how to build the best life, how to build a good life. It's more like I'm trying to build a good life. Here's how I'm doing it. Welcome to a new episode of Hype Fury Presents. In season two, I interview new guests with the same vibe and the same goal to make you a better creator. Today, I talk to Jay Yang. Jay might be just an art teenager, but he has tens of thousands of followers on Twitter and Instagram. When he was 15, he started posting self-help quotes, and fast forward a few years, and he built a nice little empire for himself. In this episode, you'll learn how you too can build an audience on social media without overthinking it and with the help of a few systems. My name is Yannick, co-founder of High Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hey Jay, it's super cool to have you on the podcast. For people who don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, well, hey, thanks for having me on, Unique. A little bit about myself. I'm a 17-year-old high school student, but I also run a digital product business and I'm a personal brand consultant. Wow, 17. Let's back up a little. When did you find out about Instagram, Twitter, not just scrolling, but also being a creator there? So it all started back 2019 when COVID hit. So you know, I was playing a lot of video games at that time, you know, I'd play for hours on end. And, you know, one moment I was just like, I probably should do something a little bit more productive with my life. So I kind of, I Googled like how everyone Googles how to make money online. And (laughs) one of my friends was also doing like a YouTube channel on the side. So I said, yeah, that's, you know, that's something I can do. So I started a music promotion channel where I would cold email like underrated artists, underground artists, and then I would like promote their songs on YouTube for them. So then they would send me the audio and then I would upload it on YouTube and try and get them some, them some views, get them some follows. And you created a channel for them? You looked at like what kind of titles you should use for their songs or how did you, how did that all go? Yeah. So the channel was called Yang Gang Beats. Yeah. So I would just take their song, their audio, upload it to YouTube, put a cover image. So I would like design a few cover images and then, yeah, just upload it. See, I went. Cool. Ah, so you were like uh, just an aggregator of just different types of, of music. Right. Yeah. Nice. And what happened next? So I did that for six months. And honestly, like I didn't get much traction and I was kind of bummed out. But I think like the, the deeper level thing is like, I actually wasn't that passionate about music. You know, like I, I like music, but I'm not, I'm not a huge music fan. And so I realized like long term probably wasn't the project for me. But I also discovered a guy named Simon Sinek. I don't know if you heard about him. Start with why. Yes, sir. And so then I found Instagram and I started posting like inspirational quotes, kind of like him, hence the name Jang Inspires. From there, it kind of just, you know, snowballed inspirational quotes. I got into self-help books. I got into like personal growth. I got into making visual designs, Instagram growth. And then I found Twitter. It just kind of all iterated and pivoted from there interesting and so you were then only 15 but you were already into self-help i was i think i read the book rich dad poor dad when i was 15 i wasn't really into self-help i think back then but why did you do that because you saw those types of inspirational quotes did well and you wanted to come up with more how did that go yeah honestly it was kind of to document my journey so my grandfather gave me a book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And that was the first self-help book that I read and, and it kind of took off from there. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to start doing this 
you know, personal development thing. And I'm just going to just document what I learned. So if I learn a lesson, see a quote I like, I'm just going to post that on Instagram and see how it goes. Interesting. And then this is me being Dutch, not being a, a dick, but just what can a 15 year old teach a 35 year old? Or how did you, I can imagine that a lot of, a lot of people thought like, what's this 15 year old going to teach me? You know, how do you think about that? I, I get that question a lot from other people saying like, you know, what can you teach me? But I don't see it as what can I teach you, right? I see myself kind of as that, that student in the back of the room who takes really good notes and then shares his notes with the rest of the class, right? I'm not up there to, to lecture you like how to build the best life, how to build a good life. It's, it's more like I'm trying to build a good life. Here's how I'm doing it, right? You know, the saying, be the guide, not the guru. And so I see it more as, you know, do cool stuff and invite people along the journey. So that's how I view it. Well, that's a great way, I think, to go about it. And then there's also no harm in whether you're 15 or 55 or whatever, you know, this is just your journey and people can take it how they want. And if they, you know, they think you're full of whatever, because you're only 15, then they don't need to follow you. So good move. And so you saw early traction with those quotes already on Instagram? Yeah. So there was like an app I used to like, so I would just put the text in and it would like create the picture and I would upload it. And yeah, I was seeing some pretty good traction. Was there, was there a strategy behind? Did you, I don't know, look at like uh, different types of hashtags or uh, captions, stuff like that? Early on, the strategy was post one thing every day for 90 days and, and see what happens. And that's kind of how it started. There wasn't really any like, I'm going to growth hack my way to 10,000 followers. It was like, I'm going to post one thing every single day and I'm just not going to stop. I'm just going to be consistent about it. That's very good. Because a lot of people, they give up after, I don't know, a week or a couple of weeks. I've also, I gave myself, because I, want, I wanted to build my own website. It was years ago, but I wanted like some substance. You know, if you only post like one blog post, it's like, it's nothing. So I wanted, I don't know, I think 100,000 words. And I think like 60,000, that's already a book. So I wrote 100,000 words on the blog within, I don't know, two weeks or four weeks. And then I thought, well then I already have something because a lot of people start with something, they do something for a couple of days and then they just, you know, hop on to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And I thought, I want to start something, but part of starting for me is already building something. I'm not going to stop starting before I finish the 100,000 words. What was your blog about? I just, I've been doing uh, digital marketing for 15 years and was just my, you know, that was my notebook sharing with the world about, you know, how to rank on Google, how to create great websites that convert, stuff like that, how to build affiliate websites. So it was just, yeah, my my big notebook. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Okay. And so you saw early traction with those quotes. You posted for 90 days, once a day. What happened next? Yeah. So uh, I discovered Jack Butcher's work, you know, Visualize Value. I kind of fell in love. I learned about digital leverage, you know, how you can build something once and then sell it infinitely many times. I learned like visual design. And so that's where I kind of started. Like, I don't know if you've seen like my purple visuals on Instagram. And so that actually took my page off, like went really well from there. So I would take a quote that I liked and, and try to create a visual to conceptualize it. Cool. And then, you know, you go to your account quite big now. It's, I don't know, like, 50k? I don't remember. It was a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I think right now it's like 25k or something. 25k? Yeah, cool. Cool. 25k. And so 
over the over the last few years, you've grown that to 25k. Was there a point in time where you thought I need to change my moves? This isn't working any, uh, anymore, or it just you just kept posting daily and it just keep growing? Yeah, honestly, my focus kind of shifted more towards Twitter. I realized that I actually have a passion for writing more than creating the visuals. So I pivoted my focus a little bit more to Twitter. And, and so, yeah, my, most of my focus was on Twitter during that time period. And so you started, you started both accounts at the same time? I started my Instagram account like probably six months before my Twitter journey. But once I discovered Twitter and, and that you could like write tweets, like I've never written a tweet before, like it was, it's pretty cool. So I decided to go all in on that. Hmm. And you, you discovered Jack Butcher on Twitter or on Instagram? Both, but I think Instagram first. Interesting. And then you started, I guess, with zero followers in 2019, 2020? Right, yep. And so I, like I had a, an old account. I had, I don't know, an account from 2011, 2013 with 600 followers, but, you know, they were like high school friends and uh, old coworkers and really, you know, not the type of people I wanted in my audience. But how did you, you know, build up your account? What were your first steps? Yeah, similar to posting on Instagram, I said, you know, I'm going to post 10 tweets a day and I'm just not going to stop. And so for probably the first three months, I posted 10 tweets like every single day. And so I was like on Twitter, like for the entire day, just any chance I got any idea, spark, post on Twitter. And so that's kind of how I got early traction. Wow. But unlike TikTok, where there's some sort of discoverability on Twitter, you know, if you have no audience, you also have no impressions on your tweets. So there must have been some interaction going, or were those 10 tweets, were those primarily comments or just tweets on your own timeline? How did, how did it go? Yeah, those were mostly tweets, but I did engage with a few people on the side, but I didn't know about this, like, engage with, like, big accounts. I didn't know about that at the time. Interesting. And so how, how was traction in the beginning? You also immediately saw traction? Honestly, it's like the saying, growth happens gradually and then suddenly. Yes, growth was slow in the beginning, but I just I just liked being able to share my thoughts online. And so I wasn't too worried about the growth initially. And then, yeah, traction started picking up. I started learning how to write a thread and, and I got into copywriting and I learned how to structure my thoughts in a persuasive manner. And so, yeah. And so if you fire 10 tweets a day, you quickly learn like what sticks and what doesn't. Was there a process behind that for you? Yeah. So at the end of each week, I would kind of go through my own tweets and take notice of what worked, what didn't work. And then I would just like reword and restructure them the same, those tweets that did well, and I'd post them again the next week. And so it was kind of like taking the data and then just doubling down on what works. Nice. And so run us through like how you rewarded things or what kind of tweets did well. Can you give a couple of examples? Yeah. Initially, a lot of the tweets that did well were when I posted my visuals but then also when you contrast your past self with your present self. So like me at 15, zero followers, zero, whatever, nothing, nothing. Then me at 16, so, so, so. So whenever you can contrast your past self with your present self, that kind of manufactures momentum, right? It kind of shows progress. It's like, oh, he's on a journey, he's on a mission. So maybe when we click on my parents' profile, let me see what he's up to. And so whenever you can share tiny wins or contrast your past self, your present self, that's a super good way to manufacture momentum early on in your journey. Cool. And then you kept doing what you were doing, kept growing your account. When was there like a point in time where you thought, I need to also make some money out of this? Yeah, honestly, I didn't start it to like 
make a ton of money, but I, I realized that I actually do have a, like a skill that and a transformation that people desire. So my very first product was a 75 page ebook. It was called the Instagram playbook. And it was how to grow from zero to 10,000 followers on Instagram. And, you know, I wrote 75 pages, sent it to my little cousin and she edited it for me. So super grateful. I launched it for $9.99 and I made like 600 bucks from it. And I guess that's kind of like, like you don't need to be like a super expert to make your first dollar online. You just need to have like a tiny transformation from, you have to be where people want to be. You have to be at their point B if they're at point A. And, and was there a point in time where you thought, well, I'm, I've underpriced it? No, I, I honestly, for 75 pages ebook, I thought it was, that it was fairly well priced, but yeah. You could probably, are you still selling it for $9.99? No, I took it down. Not really focusing on Instagram growth right now, but. Well, what's, what's your newest thing? Yeah. So right now I sell a, my content system called the content multiplication system. It's all tweet structures, how I multiply content from Twitter to also posting on Instagram, how I write my newsletter. It's got all my systems in there. I sell that for $97. Oh, so, so big a number. That's good. So for people who want to launch their first product, how would you, you know, what would you tell them to do? Yeah, honestly, I think the first step isn't asking yourself, what do I want to sell? It's who do I want to serve, right? Because when you kind of identify who you're talking to, then it makes it a lot easier to build that product. And so you want to be really clear on like, who's the, who's my target audience? What problems do they have? And then building products to solve those problems. And so the way I did it is I did about 10 free consulting calls, how to grow on Twitter, how to build your personal brand. And I kind of just asked them a few questions, figured out what's their pains, what are their goals. And from there, I kind of built my product. And so I, I, on that call, I also revealed some of the systems I have in Notion, how I create my content, and they were all blown away. And so I was like, this is a good signal that I have something valuable that other people would find value in. That's interesting. I see a lot of people who, who want to build a course, take on like free or like very low priced calls, find out what people want, help them with that, take notes, and then put that into, you know, the product you're selling. Yeah, it's, uh, it's super effective. Like, instead of trying to guess what people want, just talk to them, right? Like, just talk to your customers, talk to your audience. And I think that's the great thing about building an audience is you're attracting your customers before you have the product. And so you can build the product according to the feedback that you get from your audience. Yeah. And, you know, some people might think, you know, you did those consulting calls for free. Do you, are you sure that, you know, people who would do a paid call with you are the same type of people with the same type of questions and problems? Yeah. So, I mean, I started with 10 free calls and then I slowly like increased the price as I was building the product and I got the same feedback. You know, I sent you the, my content multiplication system, got great feedback from you. And so I was like, you know, this is something that I think people will find value in. And so I decided to launch. Cool. And so how long ago did you launch that? A couple of months? Yeah, it's been a couple months. I took a like a few month break to focus on school and my studies for final exams. And so now I'm back planning out the next few months. Cool. And how, how did you uh, do the launch? Yeah, so what I did is uh, I did some pre-hype stuff like, hey, I got something going on. I took a poll in my newsletter. Would this, you know, would my product be something that interests you? 
And then what I did that I haven't seen anywhere else is I wrote a thread about how I was building the my course. So I said, all right, you know, I'm going to build a course in public. Here's how I'm going to do it. And I just kept adding on to the thread. All right, step one, got to, you know, make this system universal for everybody else. All right, step two, got to validate it. You know, step three, send it to some a few of my friends to get some feedback. You know, step four, start planning out the promotions. And so that thread itself, I think, drove a lot of interest in my product. And then so when it was time to launch, launched it at first to my newsletter, and then on Twitter, and then a little bit on Instagram. And so that's kind of how I did it. Cool. And, and was there a link to like sign up to a waiting list in the thread or how did that go? Yeah. So I, I didn't collect any signups during the thread, but I just said, hey, like bookmark this thread. By the end of this thread, you know, there'll be the link. And so they kind of just followed the journey with me as I went about building the course. Cool. Do you, do you remember how much engagement that thread got? Not off the top of the head. I can't remember. Interesting. But but I've seen this as well. Like Daniel Vassello, he has, um, I think it was a thread about his uh, small bets community. He was, I don't know, organizing webinars, showing that how many people signed up, how many people, I don't know, something like that. But it was also pretty like, long and old thread like and he kept adding tweets to it and i kept seeing it again so i imagine like those types of threads do well because you know people come back people engage not once with it but multiple times maybe that's an interesting strategy have you have you tried it again no i haven't i haven't launched uh, another product after that but yeah i'll, I'll definitely be doing something similar in the future hmm. and, and during the building of the course what kind of things did you see work so you did the thread where you had any other things that saw like massive spikes in, in your sales or people said, hey, this is interesting. I want to I know more. Yeah. One thing I did, I found that was really interesting. I believe I got this from Steph Smith. So it's like a tiered discount pricing. So the first 10 people get a 30% discount. Next 10 people get 20% discount. Next 10, 10. And then rest is full price. And so I launched that to my newsletter and people ate it up. It was really good and really valuable. It incentivized people to sign up early. And so I think that's a you know, quick think, right? It's a digital product, right? There's no real scarcity or urgency. And so that's, I think, how you can do that that also rewards first people. Yeah. Too many people who say, my course is worth $9.97. I'm now giving it away for free or it's now 49 bucks. So yeah, this is this is probably a, a bit much better way to do it. How did you uh, get your first newsletter subscribers? And when did you think about, hey, I, I need to launch my own newsletter? Yeah. I started my newsletter pretty early on in my Twitter journey too. And I just, I just put the link in my bio. I didn't like plug it under any tweets. And that served as another way to document my journey. So I think it initially started three lessons, two quotes, and one story. And so it would just be three lessons, anything I learned, two quotes, because uh, I'm a quotes nerd and I just love collecting quotes, and then one story from my personal life. And so that was actually the first time that I started practicing like some long form writing and learning how to structure a newsletter that like flows so people keep reading throughout it. Interesting. James Clear has the same three, two, one. I don't know if, if that's where you got your inspiration from. I know we also had like, a, you know, in our growth notes, we also have like a three, two, one structure in it. Yeah. It, I mean, what I would recommend to like a lot of people is like start a a, like a lean small newsletter so like don't write like a full blog post in your newsletter because initially it's all about like building the writing habit you know posting consistently finding a format that you can stick with for like you know six months to like longer 
And so at first you just, you know, had a, a link in your bio to your newsletter. How did you start promoting your newsletter? Yeah. So after watching the uh, Hype Fury episode with Justin Welsh, I learned about plugging your newsletter under your threads and tweets. So I started doing some pre-tweets. So like, you know, tomorrow, this many people learn X, Y, Z, you know, sign up below for free. And then post-tweet, yesterday, this many people learned X, Y, Z. If you missed it, grab it here. And so that was really helpful early on. And I also started doing some cross promotions with other newsletter creators. So then, you know, I would share their newsletter, they would share mine. And so that's really helpful early on. Cool. And what things got you the most traction? Probably plugging my newsletter under like a thread that did pretty well, right? You built up a lot of goodwill with sharing a lot of value. And then you say, hey, you know, if you like this, I also write, you know, a weekly newsletter, blah, 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 you subscribe here. And, and you sent your newsletter subscribers your launch, your product. Are there any other ways you're monetizing your newsletter? Not at the moment. So right now it's really focused about delivering as much free value as I can, building a lot of goodwill, right? Creating re relationships at scale with that newsletter and still documenting my journey and then selling the, the consulting call and digital product at the end. You know, if just like at the end, you know, if you want to accelerate your journey, here are two ways I can help you. If you can't afford the consulting, here's a low ticket. If you want something more personalized, you got the call out there. Cool. And uh, how many people have booked your uh, call with you? I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, a decent amount of people. Cool. And then did you experiment with that, with pricing and uh, things like that to get more people on the call? Yeah, definitely. Uh, initially, it was priced at like $150, and I just kept increasing incrementally. But I think what also helped was developing systems, right? The first time I had a consulting call, it was just like this call. We hopped on, they told me some of the things they're struggling with, I gave them some advice. But now it's like I have, I have some slides prepared, I have some exercises, some worksheets, I have a client care package. So it's like, Anytime you do something more than twice, and this isn't just for like calls, this is for like everything, creating content, whatever, create an SOP, create a standard operating procedure, create a checklist and go through that. And I think the best creators, the best entrepreneurs in general, they're really systemized about how they do what they do. And so that way you save time, you save energy, you deliver a better experience. And so creating those SOPs were really helpful. I've worked at like large organizations and they do like... Myers-Briggs and you got a couple of like those personality tests you have like color codes and you have like those letters like uh can't remember but anyway I am like yellow and red which means like action sales I want quick results you might be a little bit more blue which is structure processes SOPs for people who are a bit more like me what will you tell them how to set up you know your own processes Notion stuff, I don't know, just to have a bit more structure in your life, but also with the creative process to help you with that. Yeah, I guess it all starts with uh, documenting like what you're doing. So it's, it's kind of like separating yourself from in third person viewing yourself and, and saying, okay, I'm going to do a consulting call. What do I need? And as you go through that consulting call, oh, this problem keeps coming up. And then what you do is you kind of write down all these like problems or these tasks that you have to do and you consult your philosophy. Okay, so how would I do this like that in a way that aligns with my values? And you kind of keep track. Just anytime you face a problem, run it through like your own checklist. Okay, how do I do this in a way that is faster, is more efficient, it's more effective, and it just kind of iterates 
through that. Obviously, you won't have a perfect system to start, but as you keep as you build your system and you keep adjusting, you keep modifying, then you kind of start creating a more powerful system. And that's how all content systems start, right? It's like I kind of got overwhelmed with school and I was like, you know what? I hate waking up early in the morning and asking myself, what am I going to post today, right? Like the worst time to think about what you're going to post is on the day that you're going to post it. And so I started to build systems that allowed me to create content more efficiently and consistently, right? So like batching content, so having a, a theme for each day, you know, Monday, spend time to ideate, Tuesday, spend time to just, you know, jot down any ideas, Wednesday, edit, Thursday, you know, schedule, whatever. And so that's how you think about it. It's like any problem you face can't, or anything you do twice, can you run it through and build a system? Interesting. Let's go back to Twitter because I, are you still tweeting 10 times a day? Probably not. Yeah, probably not. I tweet about three times a day and uh, one to two threads a week. And, and what was the point in time you scaled that down? And why are you at three now per day and not five or one? Yeah. So initially, it's all about quantity, right? Because quantity leads to quality, like we talked about. But the process of me tweeting 10 times made me realize that, oh, there are certain structures or certain topics that perform better. But once you kind of get the hang of it, then it's about quality. How, can I write a really solid tweet three times a day? And now I'm thinking long term, right? I'm not thinking about intensity. Now I'm thinking about consistency. Can I do this? Can I maintain this cadence for the next five years and beyond? I guess there are like a lot of 15, 16, 17 year olds who Google how to make money online. What will you tell them? You know, you've now been doing this for a couple of years. You've made some money online. What would be the first step for somebody in your shoes two years ago? I'd say it's a lot easier to steer a moving ship than a stationary one. I think we get caught up in this this tutorial learning phase. Oh, I just need to watch another YouTube video. Oh, I just need a you know a little bit more information. But you don't have to have everything planned out, right? Like the path becomes clearer as you walk it. And so I'd say take the first step post that first tweet, you know, build that first product, do one thing that gets you one step closer to your goal of, you know, making money. And, and what platform would you tell people to go on? Or how would you take everything into consideration to choose one or more? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, there's no wrong answer. I would say it depends on what your strengths are and what your interests are. Like for me, I'm, I prefer writing and, you know, I enjoy getting home on the weekend and, and writing. But if you enjoy talking like this and, you know, maybe YouTube or TikTok or podcast is a better option for you. But I will say that Twitter is a great way to test ideas. It's like an idea playground, right? There's no penalty for, you know, tweeting 10 times a day. So I personally use Twitter as kind of like a testing ground. I, I'll tweet something to validate the idea. And if it performs well, if people like it, people find it valuable then that's when you can expand it to a thread, expand it to a newsletter, you know, turn into a carousel on Instagram. So I see Twitter as like the hub of where the idea starts. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I had a, a call with uh, John Brosio last week, probably going to air, I don't know, within the next four weeks or so. And he actually has like a, say, a similar system to what you're saying. He tweets things, he gets feedback, you know, literally within the hour or within the day. And then the best tweets, he takes them to Medium or, you know, other platforms. And so it's because you get feedback so quickly on Twitter, you can then, you know, create other types of content based on that short thing, like that single tweet could become a thread, could become a post, could become a medium. So it's a 
That's an interesting line of thought. And then do you see it as like a, a good thing or a bad thing, what, what Elon has been doing to Twitter? Is there any danger, you think, to people just getting started or just say, just go for it? Yeah, look, you know, platforms are always going to change. I think it was inevitable that something would happen to Twitter, you know, some kind of change. I see it less as focusing on the platform and more of the skill of writing. Because if you can learn how to, how to articulate a thought in 280 characters, right, into like a micro expression, that skill is transferable to any other platform. You can take that to Instagram. You can take that to LinkedIn. It's not about the audience itself that you build on Twitter. It's the skill, right? When you become a person that knows how to communicate well, knows how to attract an audience, knows how to write persuasively, you can take that to any platform. So I'd focus more on which platform will allow me to build the skill that is transferable to any other platform instead of which platform should I choose. I haven't met a lot of young people, 15-year-olds, who enjoy writing, because most people, I associated that as well with, with school and school. You know, that wasn't my favorite you know, thing to do back, uh, that was over 20 years ago. But, you know, for somebody your age and, and for a lot of your peers, how can you give them a little push to say, well, this is really interesting for you, for your career, for, you know, having, being able to build freedom for yourself? How can you give people a little bit of, of a nudge to start writing and learn about it? That's a good question. I'd say it isn't about pushing them towards writing. It's about pushing them towards what they enjoy, right? It's all about playing games where you have a natural advantage, right? Writing naturally gives me energy. So I feel confident doing that for the next 10 years and beyond, right? So it's about finding the thing that you are a little bit naturally more gifted than other people that gives you energy that you feel you could do forever. And I think that starts with, I call this the hourglass method, experiment, obsess, and then diversify. So whether you're trying to figure out your niche, trying to figure out what you want to do with your career, trying to figure out what you're interested in, you have to first experiment, or you have to try a bunch of stuff, and, and then you can kind of narrow it down to what you want to focus on. So then obsess, right? So for me, that skills writing. I want to, I, I think I could write till the time I die. Like I, I obsess over this, over the craft, how to write persuasively, emotion, psychology, philosophy, and, and taking all those disciplines and, and pouring it into the craft of writing. Then it's about diversifying, right? You can get so good at a skill, but then it's about stacking skills, right? So, you know, Alex Ramosi has this thing where it's like, you learn math and then you learn accounting and then you learn taxes and you learn finance. And then next thing you know, you're the CFO. And next thing you know, you're the CEO. So it's about finding the one thing that you can obsess over more than other people and then finding complementary skills that stack up on that that make you more valuable right just learning copywriting will get you only so far then it's about learning copywriting and then how to structure offers and then you know learning how to build an audience and so that's how it's structured the, the hourglass method great advice jay i think we're going to end with that thank you very much for this uh, call it was great for uh, people who don't know where to find you where you're up about please tell us where where people can find you yeah i'm at jayang inspires on twitter and instagram that's uh, j-a-y Y-A-N-G, Inspires. But if you have already follow me on there, definitely check out my newsletter. It's where I share all the frameworks and systems that I like philosophizing about. So you can find my newsletter in the links in the dial. Cool, man. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's a wrap. But before we end this episode, I want to make a gentleman's agreement with you. I keep sharing these amazing podcasts with you. And the only thing you need to do in return is to go to YouTube, search for Hype Fury, and subscribe to our channel. 
Go do it right now, and I'll see you again next week.